Attention, attention please, stand by for another episode of When Humanists Attack. My name is Roger Kimmel Smith. Thank you for joining us on When Humanists Attack. And I'm happy to have as our guests, our panel, Chris West and Vincent Downing. Last night at the vice presidential debate, the vice president seemed to confirm the question of peaceful transfer of power as the president had. And today in the news, we're following the events regarding the attempted uh, kidnapping of Governor Whitmer of Michigan. And the question before us is, so what if there's a coup? Gentlemen? I've been doing a lot of research into just that question on the wagingnonviolence.org website. I've been reading their guide, Hold the Line, Defending Democracy, a manual on defending democracy. And basically this guide says that we have to look for these red lines. Uh, basically all three of these red lines boil down to because of the chaos in the voting apparatus in the, in the country at large, most of which having been created very consciously by the Republican Party, that the results will be in question on November 3rd or thereafter, and leading Donald Trump and the Republican Party, actually not even the Republican Party, I think of them as the cult of Trump now, uh, to team orange. declare, yeah, team orange, to declare victory and not wait for all the votes to be counted or if the votes are clearly in favor of uh, Biden-Harris to uh, declare victory anyway, because they will claim that there is um, fraud. And we are uh, talking about this because I, for one, ever since the first presidential debate have been very concerned that Trump and his cult are positioning themselves for a coup, both judicial, extrajudicial, and out, you know, outright violent, as we're seeing with these uh, appalling events in Michigan. Uh, we, and I think we can expect a great deal more of this. I've discussed this with everybody I spend time with as an activist at this point, and there's a surprising number of people. And these are nice, conventional, middle-class people. They're not Antifa, far-left extremists are saying that they are concerned that there is going to be a coup of some kind. And none of us really seems to be sure what that is. So I've been educating myself. Uh, there's a great deal to learn. Uh, the 
the hold the line guide is uh, 50 pages, but there's plenty of links. Let's start talking about some of the specifics in it. Uh, or if you wanted to jump in, Chris. I don't see that the existing civil society will allow for that to happen. And the states of the United States are not one country. We are 50 states, each with their own government and their own militia uh, in the National Guard. And it would really be a test of our democracy whether or not a coup could happen on a federal or even a statewide basis. There may be violence in some states, but I don't see an actual coup as a, a possibility. I think we have a lot of things up for grabs, and I think we're going to have to have many different scenes of you know, rule of law being on the table in the next 30 or 60 days. I think it's very clear that there's violence connected to this Team Orange movement. It's never been uh, really denied. It certainly has not been disavowed by any means. I have no doubt that Donald Trump and Mike Pence and the other people in his administration would love to see a coup. That's not what I'm relying on. I'm not relying upon them not rescinding power. I'm relying on the rest of the civil society and the legal system and the military to say, no, we're not going to listen to you. End of story. Put it through the process. One thing it will depend on is uh, that we're able to recognize it as a coup and name it as one while it's taking place. And it's going to be on so many different fronts. We know that on November 3rd, we will not have a vote count collected by the end of that night for uh, the election to be called by anyone. I th uh, that's my understanding. And I very much hope yeah. that that understanding, if it's correct, gets spread into people's minds by news media in the next 30 days. Point number one of the 10 points in this waging nonviolence article. Point number one, don't expect results election night. What we can right. expect, because there will not be election results, there will continue to be the biggest up for grabs news cycle that our society yeah. has lived through in a long time. And yeah. I think you're completely right, Vincent. You know, we should expect Team Orange to try something. And it will be something we don't expect, but we know when to expect it roughly. I really fully expect Donald Trump to get up in front of a whole bunch of cameras and say, we won. Uh, that's that's what I expect now. But he wouldn't uh, have to. There, there's some other you know ways that they could play it as the days come out and as you mentioned, Chris, there being different states with different processes. Some had uh, hmm. mail-in voting, state uh, laws and processes for how the vote gets counted. All of these are opportunities for those who would coup, plot a coup to, to do their plotting and to put multiple plots ahead. That's what we've been seeing, multiple types of plots, you know, violent uh, events, uh, legal at attacks on the voting system. One discouraging sign in the corporate media is that none have, as far as I can tell, 
really called a spade a spade as regards the Trump team's pattern of falsehoods regarding absentee and mail-in ballots. The same falsehoods he's been laying on us since 2016, 2017 about fraudulent results from that election. It's exactly the type of propaganda strategy that Hitler and Goebbels pulled off. They called it the big lie, but we can't call it the big lie even when it is being played on us. I'm not sure I completely agree with that, Roger. I don't agree that there nobody is saying, for example, that these claims about mail-in voting are fraudulent. I think some people are saying that. I just don't see that it's happening nearly enough. Well, and, and, and that's only even one thing, because you can recognize them and claim them as fraudulent or attack them as fraudulent. But I'm saying... What's the purpose behind this this pattern of fraudulent and falsehood and and fakeness? It has a purpose, which is to sow confusion and doubt on November 3rd and the days that come after. And so we can expect that and recognize it ahead of time. We are going to need to name them ahead of time. So let's let's get cracking. What what exactly should we be looking for? Red lines have already been crossed if you're talking about actively interfering with the voting infrastructure, the post office suits to stop mail-in voting in various places uh, under various guises. You make a good point. That, uh, there are counterfeits. I know the ACLU, I think, has put up a, uh, a site, you know, with all of the contentious voting legal situations in 40 plus states. We know that scene is contested, but it, it qualifies as cheating in the election as it's taking place. Uh, is that the same as staging a coup? When will we and how will we exactly know when one is in progress? Well, I tell you what, I'm going to just read the three most likely scenarios that the holding the line guide writes about. Good. Three potential scenarios. Scenario one, election day results are unclear and Trump declares victory anyway. Scenario two, election results show significant irregularities and or signs of tampering and Trump declares victory. Scenario three, Trump loses the election, but refuses to leave office. And why don't we take these one at a time? I completely expect that Donald J. Trump is perfectly capable of standing up uh, in front of whatever cameras on November 3rd, 2020 and saying, we won. We've had tampering, irregularities, intimidation happened in the past that led to an unearned victory. The sheer number of bald face, obvious lies this man has told in the last four years that have not been adequately challenged is mind by, it's, it's in the thousands. 25,000 confirmed lies since he took office. What is the effect and what are the strategies behind such an assault 
a quantitative assault on truth. Keeping people in a state of epistemological chaos or uncertainty, I, I, I'm not sure what to say about that, except I've been in that state more or less since the age of 16 when I read 1984 by George Orwell and realized that to a great extent, all news is fake news. I don't really think that the fake news is a creation of the internet age by any means, but just to follow that, no, I, I'm not sure what I can even say about what are the effects of that. Thank you for asking that question, Roger, because I haven't really examined that myself. And it, the, the first answer that occurs to me is that if you make a situation where everybody is chronically uncertain, they're much more likely to believe anybody who just steps forward and say, this is the truth and you may be certain of it. Another part of the reason why I think we shouldn't try to deny that there is a great deal of Hitlerian stuff in the, the playbook this team is running on us. Part of the trend in the United States towards super hyper religiosity is an epistemic question. And where do we hmm. get our beliefs and how can we tell whether our beliefs are true? And the discussions that I have with my relatives who are very right wing and very religious hmm. is we know, we know we're right. We know that, that our belief is right. And therefore the people who believe the same thing we do are saying things that are right, whether or not there's any evidence for that at all. It's like a commitment to the unfalsifiable. Yeah, once again, going back to the whole concept of, of caste. Yeah. I'm willing to be wrong as long as I still get to be a member of this caste. Falling back on our, our tribal identities for our signals as to what's true. That might have to get broken. That might have to end up being on the line. You know, what is true? What, were the, what was the second of the three scenarios, Vincent? Could you read that one again? Scenario two, election results show significant irregularities and or signs of tampering and Trump declares victory. What institutions can we count on to signal us that we're having election ir irregularities, that to signal us that we're having signs of election tampering and we know that all these poll watchers have been mobilized. Uh, I remember reading oh, yeah. a few weeks ago, there was a, a consent decree from the 80s that just got lifted. That is going to open the door to uh, all sorts of, of things that skirt the line into voter intonation under the name of poll watching being legal. So that's likely to take place. It's the Republicans that I see who are making the irregularities happen. So the man who's causing your miseries is gonna sell you the cure. E even 
all three of your scenarios are not far from the only scenarios I can imagine towards an illegitimate electoral outcome, because I don't think any of your three scenarios mention the Supreme Court, for example. If they were to succeed in such a power play, that this new justice will not recuse, you know, despite every possible obvious sign that, uh, that she should. Uh, so that's a whole nother gambit that seems very clearly to be on the cards. The history exactly. of this country is denying people the right to vote and people fighting and struggling to get access. In 1870, uh, African-American men were given the right to vote and that was quickly taken away from them. There was one election where there were 12 African, I believe there were 12 African-American senators who went to Congress and they said, we can't, we can't have this. And the agreement, which Robin, you brought up not so long ago between the North and the South, you know, We'll let you guys keep your your Jim Crow, your South, and and we'll just take care of the North, and we'll just let this this suppression of voter uh, rights happen. That's just the way we are. This is not a new playbook. Right. Well, yeah. it certainly I mean, is against Democratic Party's history, for one thing. It's also very much what you're. I think you're feeling and what you're reporting on there, Robin, is the the hopes and the dreams that the promise of America should fulfill. Those are not the reality. I'm quoting this from the, the 10 points again on what to do to stop a coup. Point number five, focus on widely shared democratic values, not on individuals. We may at this point not so much need to ask, so what if there's a coup? But something like, can we prevent or defeat a coup. The most hopeful one would be a clear election results that show a strong right. victory for the Democratic ticket, right? That, that would appear to be our only hope for a peaceful, nonviolent way through the next few months. A second scenario would be election results that one way or another appear show a re-election for the president that will uh, uh, bring us in a certain direction that we may think of as a coup, but it may just be the same slow running coup under which we've, we're already living. Or a third scenario is unclear election results that go on for days and weeks and lead into you know, post-election news cycles in which coup activity will very likely take place. The third of the scenarios that the hold the line guide explicates yeah, on the line is, is the most hopeful, which is scenario three, Trump loses the election, but refuses to leave office. Right. Uh, to me, that's the clearest of those three scenarios. It, it's kind of shocking to me that I'm talking about that is the most hopeful outcome. I am not expecting Donald Trump to leave office no matter what happens with some mere votes. And as far as the Supreme Court goes, I, if, if this election goes to the Supreme Court, I expect everybody's basically gonna just sit there and, and accept it the way was done with W. I just don't see how I could mobilize enough 
people for a peaceful resistance to that. We heard a few weeks ago, you know, they were floating plans to deny election results and just choose slates of electors, right? Using in the Republican states where they control all the mechanisms, you know, did, uh, did we get a deafening uh, response against that scenario? Or do we think that may still be in play in some states? I, I see the Democrats as being in at their best moments right now, feckless. Uh, so oh, they uh, win I, the flying fickle finger, finger of, of fecklessness. fecklessness. <laughs> there are entrenched interests in the United States that are not interested in having tumult. And those are the ones that are going to end and come out. I don't see, even if there is one of these scenarios playing out, I don't see business accepting a long time of instability, no matter what. Point number three, that coups have been stopped by regular folks. Coup attempts have happened all over the world, they say, and over half have failed because coups are hard to orchestrate. They tend to fail when any government institutions are trusted, when there is an active citizenry, and when other nations may become involved. We may uh, not be able to look for any help abroad, mm. uh, and it may depend on how active a citizenry we are, and uh, you know, not just how active, but when we activate and towards what end. The last figure I read on this was that 49% failure rate of a coup is if you've got 3.5% of the population actively involved in anti-coup activities. And I don't think that the numbers that you're talking about on that kind of study is talking about the type of coup that you guys are talking about. Most coups are the type that we're seeing right now in Tajikistan, right, where we have these these riots because the elections were gone and the, the people have taken over the, the, the parliamentary office and the, the old leader has been strung up and they're figuring out who the new guy is. That's not what any of us are envisioning here, right? We're not seeing a classic coup. We're not seeing a French Revolution. We're not seeing Oliver Cromwell. We're seeing what I would, if we're going to call it a coup at all, I would term a quiet coup, which is a, a change of power and a change in rules uh, and shifting in the rules so that they never again have to worry about being out of power because the new system puts them in power no matter what. We could perhaps put it as the, the Roman model. We would have... You know, our, our nice democratic system, too bad, but something's happened to it. It's already become the case in so many respects or been recognized culturally as being heading in that direction. So what just makes it official? Point number four of waging nonviolence peace, be ready to act quickly and not alone. Mass yes. direct action might be the only way to stop Team Orange from stealing the election. Which is more like what we're seeing in, in uh, Belarus, right? That oh, is clearly a coup. Uh, uh, Lukashenko refuses to 
have another election. He's jailing the politicians and the uh, reporters. And in the end, the people are still saying no. They're still coming out in the tens and hundreds of thousands to protest months after he has already ensconced himself. Uh, so that and that my would understanding be understanding is when it gets that far, you know, when sort of the the moral tide seems to turn mm -hmm. overwhelmingly against the the leaders or the coup plotters, uh, then you know that's our most hopeful kind of scenario. I wouldn't I I wouldn't think that this POTUS would uh, you know want to let it get there, and I think that's why there have been so many different gambits. It's really up to us, the citizenship, and it may, uh, you know, come down to: Do we know how to to put ourselves in the streets, and when is exactly the right time? You know, I think we should just watch Red Dawn. I think that'll tell us everything we need to know. If a I'm lot kidding, of Robert, what Robert. we've been saying and reading is is true, we've already got at least one other nation involved with Russia? the fomenting this coup. Absolutely. If not, Iran and China all uh, helping along. Uh, we already have the uh, the Emiratis and the Saudis have lined themselves up with the Israelis. So all of all of those nations were apparently involved in the 2016 campaign. The good news is that uh, although Russia is trying to get Trump elected, Iran and China are trying to get the Democratic ticket uh, elected. So how do Maybe you know this? Cancel each other out. <laughs> yeah, well, who knows? <laughs> uh, this or, is intelligence. This is uh, you in the news in the last uh, three or four months. Uh, can you back these claims up? Oh, that that's that's my fault. These are I, these I, are I, na I, these are national security uh, articles that I've read in the past. That the National uh, security F articles are they are they embargoed? Can you tell us what the sources are? I, I I can't say off the top of my head. I'll have to go and grab them. But that was uh, the last time I looked at an article talking about third country involvement. The uh, intelligence community Sorry about that. Uh, gave that as its assessment. The actual process that we go through as the United States in order to elect the president is that states attorneys general in general uh, are the ones who certify the election results. And right now there are 24 states that have Democratic attorneys general and there are 26 states that have Republican attorneys general. And those are the people who in the end when Trump originally started talking about the problems with elections and electioneering fraud or election fraud, these Republican attorneys general said, wait a second, we've been doing this all along and we certify these. And yes, there is a 0.01% or something like that in fraud, but it's not statistically relevant. And he got a lot of flack for that at the time. That is all cooled down in the time in between. But those attorneys general are the people who will certify the election results from their states. This before anything about uh, electoral slates for the Electoral College being set up, because we know that is uh, another important date. That's when really the, the election is certified on a federal level. There was a case recently where the electors in certain states were saying, I'm going to vote for whoever I want to. And the uh, court said, no, you actually are required to uh, give your electoral oh, yeah. vote for the person who 
your state has said has gotten those votes. There's a whole nother scenario that's just occurring to me, which uh, would be led not even so much by deliberate actions of on the part of government actors, but uh, violent the action by non-state actors, paramilitary groups believing to be taking a signal and throwing havoc into the works, which could happen at any point, I would say, between now and next January the 20th. That brings me back to what we were talking about earlier before we were online about the governor of Michigan having a plot against her to kidnap her and take her to Wisconsin and try her and kill her and kill other people. The FBI was there. The FBI started following these people and was working with those people and has arrested those people. Six of them have been arrested. There are seven more that may be arrested uh, later on. But this is not something that the run of the mill rank and file <laughs> FBI is taking lightly. So if there was actual violence from militias, from small groups, it may very well cause some upflaring of violence, but I don't think it will topple the status quo. I just don't see it. Well, it may be only one of the several different vectors towards tumult, as you put it, that will be operating over the next 30 days. So we've got a lot to, uh, to pay attention to. I would recommend preparing to take action by uh, seeing if you have like-minded people uh, you know, with whom you can discuss the, the events taking place and discuss uh, actions that you may take working in small groups or at least not alone is one of the recommended things we can do to stop a coup. And of course, the 10th point they make is that the best way to stop a coup is to prevent it, to deter it before it takes place. And there are people doing good work on, on so many of the different points that are in question here, voting rights, stopping suppression, dealing with fraud. The best thing we can do is be prepared to act. And to act as secular humanists in nonviolent ways. Uh, nonviolence still succeeds a great deal more often than violence does. And uh, just to add, the presence of a violent flank to a nonviolent movement. Uh, the most recent research done on that indicates that that's actually not helping you. No, never. Now, what, what, does, what does that mean, though, when you're up against people who have absolutely no moral anything? I mean, as I have pointed out over the years, somebody like Hitler or Stalin would love nonviolent uh, opposition. They'd just round them all up and have them shot. They did. Yeah. The reason that Gandhi was able to do what he did in South Africa to start out with and back in India was because he was dealing with the British who had a very liberal government or parts of the government were very liberal and the press was very powerful. And they had a, a vision of themselves as being these upright Christians. The Nazis didn't have any of that in there. There was a intelli intelligentsia, there were protests, they just mowed them down. To all the degree that we speak about 
violence being inherent in the American culture and the American society. Nonviolence is very much there as well. Uh, it is a contest and so morality and uh, uh, blatant immorality and corruption are also in contest in the character of our country. What if any values remain and, and which ones are strong enough to prevail? The article uh, we've been referring to is called 10 Things You Need to Know to Stop a Coup. It was published September 18th on the website wagingnonviolence.org. This is Roger Kimmel Smith for When Humanists Attack. I'd like to thank all of our panelists, Vincent and Chris. When humanists attack, they do so nonviolently, but effectively nonetheless. Think it over. <laughs>